Welcome to Meldon Law and Friends. I'm Jeffrey Meldon, founder and CEO of Meldon Law, and uh, we want to welcome you to the show. We have an incredible guest today, John Moran, who is one of the greatest photographers in the Southeast United States, and he's going to be talking about uh, way back when, when Jeffrey Meldon and John Moran worked together at the Great Southern Music Hall, and all of the great artists that we uh, were able to bring in. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, the list is incredible. Bo Diddley, Jerry Lee Lewis, Richie Havens, Jimmy Buffett, Muddy Waters, Waylon Jennings, uh, Chick Corea, Minnie Ripperton, Greg Allman. We had some incredible uh, uh, performers at the Great Southern Music Hall. Any of you that were in Gainesville during the uh, 1970s would uh, certainly remember it. It used to be the Florida Theater on University Avenue, and uh, we transformed it into a performing arts theater for five years, from 1974 to 1978. So uh, we're going to be talking about uh, the Great Southern Music Hall and the Matheson Museum in Gainesville, Florida, which is our historical museum for the city and the county, uh, is holding a exhibit currently uh, that's going to be running for another six months at the uh, Matheson Museum. The whole main gallery at the Matheson Museum has um, photographs that were done by John Moran, and it's going to be really cool. As a matter of fact, this Friday, February 24th at 7 o'clock, all of the founders and members of the Great Southern Music Hall are going to be there live for a symposium uh, that's going to be guided by Bill DeYoung, who is a well-known music writer and uh, was the Gainesville Sun music editor for 20 years. So it's going to be a blast. Uh, free food, free beer and wine, uh, water, whatever you drink, uh, it's going to be there. And if you bring, if you drink whiskey only, you got to bring your own. But uh, we got beer and wine there. So anyhow, it's going to be a, really a, a lot of fun. And wait till you hear John Moran uh, talk, tell his story, because John is uh, since 1974, when he was the house photographer at the Great Southern, has become a, uh, a very, very famous. Uh, photographer, and is, uh, he's going to tell you about how he's been invited to uh, uh, become a member of the University of Florida Hall of Fame in, I think it's a school of, uh, of journalism. So we're going to uh, hear from John, and uh, you'll really enjoy uh, his discussion. Uh, the Gators um, been having a little bit of problems uh as far as basketball and uh, we uh, uh, women's basketball, men's basketball, the women's gymnastic team, I think, is ranked number two in the country. They had a little bit of a upset the other day when they went to LSU. And uh, for those of you that follow gymnastics, a 198, there's only a couple teams in the country that can get a 198. Uh, Michigan, um, uh, Oklahoma, and uh, apparently LSU, because uh, LSU, 
uh, got their first 198 of the season and eked out by one-eighth of one point a victory over uh, the Gator gymnastic team. Uh, and the meet was at LSU. And uh, I, I'm, I never accuse anybody of uh, having a home court advantage, but in this case, I will. Uh, I think that uh, had the Gators been competing at home, it would have been uh, uh, a different result. That's just my opinion. I'm not accusing anybody of being biased or fixing the uh, judging. Uh, I always, when I go to the gymnastic events, I always like to judge myself to see how close I would get to what the judges um, are doing. And uh, I've gotten fairly good at it. So uh, all I can say is the Gator gymnastic team is coming back to Gainesville in the confines of the O'Connell Center this coming Friday. Uh, and the meet um, is going to be really incredible. It's a huge thing. It's the final home meet of the season. The Gators are going to be uh, fighting for uh, position as the uh, national champion. So you can see the Gators compete against Kentucky. We're giving away two free seats. All you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Meldon Law, and you can get two free tickets, um, and you will uh, be able to see probably – uh, seven or eight Olympian, future Olympians um, competing. Uh, the meet's going to be really uh, well attended and uh, exciting. So check it, check them out. Um, here's another uh, interesting deal. Uh, Wednesday, February 22nd, the Gator basketball team is playing uh, the iconic Kentucky basketball team. Uh, for those of you that follow college basketball, uh, University of Kentucky has uh, been a top basketball program since the days of Adolph Rupp, probably 75 years ago. So we have an opportunity to see one of the best of the best of the best compete um, in Gainesville. And uh, it happens to be Meldon Law Day uh, everybody in the uh, arena is going to get a Meldon Law shirt, a Meldon Law T-shirt with, uh, it's actually a Gator shirt. We just have a very little discreet uh, Meldon Law <clears throat> on the shirt uh, because we want people to uh, support the Gators and wear them. Uh, so if you're going to the game, make sure that uh, you, it's going to be on every seat. You won't have trouble finding them. However, Make sure you uh, uh, grab a T-shirt. They're, they're really nice. I've been wearing mine for about a week now, getting ready for it. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy the whole presentation when Kentucky uh, comes to town. So, uh, oh, by the way, in the event you can't make the Kentucky game, but you still want a T-shirt, call the office and just tell them Jeffrey suggested that you call to get a free t-shirt and we will make sure uh, that we make arrangements for you to get a free t-shirt just like everybody who's attending the game. The office number is 352-373-8000. Uh, <clears throat> you rest, regular listeners know that we 
uh, specialize in helping people put their lives back together after a serious accident. We're personal injury attorneys helping people who have been seriously injured through no fault of their own. So uh, give us a, a call if you or a family member, uh, a friend needs help. Uh, we pride ourselves in uh, preparing uh, the best um, uh, presentations to the insurance carriers and uh, statistically we do really really well compared to um, other law firms that you see on TV and on billboards and all around town. Uh, Melden Law has been in uh, business now for 52 years. 1971, we're in 2023. Actually uh, it'll be 52 years in November of 2023, so I'm taking poetic license uh, when I say that we've been in business 52. It's actually 51 and a half. Uh, so uh, we, the, the importance to you is that you have a seasoned, well-respected law firm on your side when you have the need. So uh, just keep that in mind in the event. Everybody gets in a crash sometime during their life, and sometimes uh, it's serious and uh, we hope it's not, but uh, give us a call. We're here to help. A couple other things. Uh, <clears throat> we are giving away $19.71 for every free throw made by the Gators for the Kentucky game and all the basketball games, men and women. Um, I think we're almost up to eight or $9,000 that we've, uh, Melden Law has donated to Alzheimer's program. That's where the money goes. Uh, my wife Patricia and I are on the uh, uh, the sponsors locally uh, and chair chair people. I think that's how you say it uh, for the Alzheimer's Association, and it's a, a cause that's uh, near and dear to us. We want to support uh, Alzheimer's research. We want to support people that uh, have loved ones that have Alzheimer's, dementia, because dementia is a little different than Alzheimer's, but they're, uh, for most people, they seem to manifest themselves in a similar way. So we have decided to really um, help and try to uh, make a difference in uh, raising money for Alzheimer's. Last, last year, we were able to raise 140000 and if you're a member of a, um, uh, a company and you want to put together a little uh, company group supporting uh, Alzheimer's, just call the office and uh, we'll make sure that uh, we connect with you and uh, include you in whatever uh, is going on. So that's uh, very, very important. A uh, couple other things. Melden Law, every Saturday at 10.30 for 20 years now, uh, we host Law Talk Live. You can call in, uh, ask a legal question. We'll help you. Uh, we'll figure out uh, if we can solve the problem right there on the air. If not, we'll uh, make sure we take care of it uh, on Monday. And uh, we also like to uh, <clears throat> let everybody know what's going on in the community and uh, the Gator world. So, uh, again, those are all things coming up. I haven't gotten to uh, one of the most exciting things, and that is the Gator baseball and 
softball teams are both ranked in the top three in the country. And uh, we've got three major league pitchers on the Gator baseball team who are going to uh, just dazzle you. I think uh, this year we the Gators may wind up winning a national championship. So, uh, of course, Melden Law has tickets. As uh, the official injury law firm partner of the Florida Gators, we get tickets to all the sporting events. And I'm a huge fan of the baseball team and softball, but particularly the baseball team because they got this incredible new uh, 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 stadium uh, that uh, the Condren Family Ballpark. And what a place. Wow. Uh, my wife Patricia and I go to the games. We bring uh, Patricia's 90-year-old mother with us, and uh, she uh, she used to play baseball as, as a young woman, so uh, she understands the rules and uh, gets very excited at the games. So if you go to a Gator baseball game, you'll probably see me hanging out there. It's uh, really fun. They did a great job with uh, the new ballpark, so come and enjoy it. So let's see, we got baseball tickets for... Uh, University of uh, South Florida on 222, two tickets. We've got tickets for uh, Cincinnati game Friday, uh, the 24th of February. And we have tickets for just about every sporting event that's going on at the university. Just go to Melden Law Facebook page, and you will be able to find uh, whatever uh, game you're interested in, whether it's gymnastics, women's basketball, men's uh, basketball, uh, softball, baseball, whatever it is, uh, you'll find it there. So um, we want to thank everybody who has uh, participated uh, in going to Facebook. And a lot of folks have been winning tickets. I see people all over come up to me and say, I won your tickets. We had a great time. We brought the family to the game, and it was really cool. So make sure that uh, you spread the word and uh, check us out. Uh, Law Talk Live, we've got some really good uh, uh, topics and guests coming in uh, for Law Talk Live, and uh, much more is going on at Meldon Law. Uh, what I want to do is uh, encourage everybody to... Uh, Check it out. And, look, the bottom line is we have great teams here. They're a lot of fun. Let's support them. Whether you win a ticket or not, go to the games. Uh, you're going to have a fabulous time, and uh, the team needs our support. Uh, we're getting ready to go to a break on Meldon Law and friends, and then we're going to uh, come back uh, in a few minutes, and you will get to meet our guest, John Moran. Meldon Law has been serving personal injury victims since 1971. In those days, Jeffrey Meldon's presence as an attorney in the music scene dubbed him with the nickname, The Hippie Attorney. And although times have changed, two things haven't. Our commitment to bettering our community by helping the injured. Albert, are you ready to go to the game? And our love for the Florida Gators. If you bleed orange and blue, Meldon Law is the firm for you. Well, I'm joining the band, of course. 
Since Melvin Law is the official law firm partner of the Florida Gators, I want to help. Dad, we're litigators. Let's stick to helping people in the courtroom. Well, can we still hang out and jam a little bit? At Melvin Law, we won't back down. I was going down a one-way street, and a girl that was driving her car T-boned me on my scooter. I ended up going for an MRI and discovering that I had two herniated discs. Coming to Cary allowed me to not have to worry about what doctor I was going to see or what physical therapist I had to go to. They say, these are the people we trust. You're going to have a great experience there. And I honestly did each time. Call Melvin Law. Your consultation is absolutely free. I was driving behind a lady, and very suddenly she moved out of the way. There was a log laying in the road. And when I hit my brakes, I went on top of the log. I had 280 discs. I just haven't been the same since. Jeffrey Melton fought for me all the way. Him and his team really went there for me. Throughout the whole lawsuit, he made sure that my bills was paid. It was never no whenever I called him and asked him for something. Call Melvin Law right now. And I was in an accident. Someone ran red light and hit me, and I was hurt. You don't know where to turn. Luckily, I called Jeffrey. These big insurance companies, they don't want you to win. They truly don't. But Jeffrey and his firm and the people that work here, they just really fight for you. You call the law offices of Jeffrey Melvin because you're going to need help, and they will help you. Call Melvin Law right now. Hey, Sammy, look who's there. Say hi. Hey. Melvin Law, Jeffrey speaking. Jeffrey! Somebody else hit us! Here we go again. Welcome back to Melvin Law and Friends. And my uh, good friend today is John Moran, uh, who is a famous photographer. Uh, I'm going to take a minute and... uh, read a bio that I got, which is a press release. Okay, Okay. I know it's going to embarrass you. Uh, However, John Moran, before he was a celebrated nature photographer, and before he was an award-winning newspaper photographer, he was John Moran, teenage rock and roll photographer in 1974, then 19 years old. John became the great Southern Music Hall's first house photographer, serving in the role for two years. Dubbed Florida's Photographer Laureate by historian Gary Mormino, John is renowned for his extraordinary images of natural Florida. His portfolio of landscape and wildlife photography ranges from the Gulf to the Atlantic, and certainly being in the Gainesville area makes sense, with an emphasis on Florida waters, our springs, rivers, lakes, swamps, and coasts, and the creatures that inhabit them. A University of Florida graduate, John has been named Photographer of the Year for the Southeastern United States by 
the National Press Photographers Association. Following a 23-year career as a newspaper photographer and writer, John left the world of daily journalism in 2003 to concentrate full-time on photo uh, photographing the best of natural Florida. His photography has appeared in numerous books and magazines, including National Geographic, Life, Time, Smithsonian, uh, the New York Times Magazine, and on the cover of the National Audubon Society Field Guide to Florida. He is the author of Journal of Light, uh, the visual diary of a Florida nat nature photographer. Uh, welcome to the show, John. How are you doing? Jeffrey, I'm doing great. Thank you. It's a treat to be with you again, and I'm delighted to be on your podcast. And hello, Gainesville, and hello, world. And uh, yeah, let the fun begin. Now, I understand you have another accolade uh, re that recently uh, uh, this came just up. In. This just in. Yeah, hot, I was hot just, off the press. Tell yeah, us about it. Yeah, I was just informed uh, by my friend. Um, well, actually, I got a call from the dean of the College of Journalism and Communications. I'm being inducted in April into the uh, UF College of Journalism and Communications Hall of Fame. And, wow. Uh, 50 years after I arrived in Gainesville. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's really wonderful. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I've known John for, um, well, almost 50 years. 40, 49 <laughs> years, yeah. yeah. And uh, let's, let's start uh, by telling the story of how our lives intersected. I love that story, Jeffrey. I love just walking down that memory lane with you. Would it be helpful for a bit of a setup for uh, viewers, listeners who are not familiar with the Great Southern Music Hall? I think so. Okay. So, so you, you want me to tell the yeah, story? Yeah, set that stage and I'll be happy okay. to stroll across it. Yeah. Okay. So between 1974 and 1978, the top concert venue in Gainesville was the Great Southern Music Hall, located inside the historic Florida Theater at 233 West University Avenue. Jeffrey Meldon and Jim Forsman purchased the venue and transferred it into a state-of-the-art concert hall spotlighting national artists of legendary stature and those that had cult followings and others that people just liked. The Matheson Museum, located in Gainesville, Florida, on University Avenue, I think it's 513 East University Avenue, right next to uh, the big library downtown, uh, currently has an exhibit. It's called Return to Forever, Gainesville's Great Southern Music Hall, featuring the uh, photography of John Moran. Uh, Meldon Law is uh, sponsoring the show, and there's dozens of uh, John's great uh, photographs incorporated in the design of the show, which is extremely unique. We'll, we'll talk about that mm. in a minute. Uh, on February 24th, uh, John is going to join me along with uh, Jim Forsman, a co-founder, and Albert T. Badgie, who is a talent acquisition uh, expert, along with Bill DeYoung, who is the... Um, uh, former editor for 20 years of the uh, entertainment editor for the Gainesville Sun magazine. Uh, and there, we're going to all share stories about the Great mm. Southern Music Hall. And uh, you're going to have an opportunity to think, uh, to ask questions as well. We want to make it interactive. 
And uh, the actual piano played by Ray Charles mm. at the Great Southern Music Hall is going to be in attendance. So uh, that? that's, that's pretty good. Uh, the event is uh, sponsored in part by Visit Gainesville, Alachua County, Meldon Law, the Department of State, the Department of Cultural Affairs, the Council, Florida Council of the Arts, and the State of Florida. <clears throat> so it, it, it's a big, it, it is a big uh, deal, and um, I really want to uh, uh, give, you know, give accolades to everybody at the Matheson mm. Museum because uh, uh, they have done an incredible job they of are giving a us job. a yeah. platform. Yeah. So, John, with that introduction, right. thank you for that. Jeffrey. Tell the story. The stage is set. So, um, so Jeffrey, our paths intersected, as I recall, in June of 1974. I had been in Gainesville since the previous September, September of 1973. This is my 50th anniversary year now of, of being a Gainesville resident. And uh, I was too young to go to Woodstock in the summer of 1969. I was only 14, but by the time I graduated from high school in 1973 and came to Gainesville, I was, uh, I was at heart a rock and roll photographer without a camera. I borrowed a camera on a couple of occasions to photograph concerts when I was in high school, but oh my God, the music of that era was just astonishing. And um, yeah, truly Gainesville was uh, a magic place in a magic time, and there was, to borrow from the cover of Marty Gerard's wonderful book, there was music everywhere, and uh, there were so many concerts on campus, and there were clubs around town, and then <clears throat> you and Jim Forsman opened the Great Southern, and I could feel the vibe from down on University Avenue, and I was turned, I got to get a camera and go introduce myself to this guy, which is what I did, and so, as I recall, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I walked into your office that, in June of 74 and said, <clears throat> excuse me, sir, you need me, <laughs> and uh, you hired me on the spot, and two nights later, I photographed Bo Diddley. And, uh, wow. So that was the first of a couple dozen shows I shot over the next uh, year and a half or two years there. But the setup was that the, the performances ordinarily were two shows per night. And even before I became a photographer for The Alligator, the student newspaper, or The Gainesville Sun, which followed after I graduated, uh, I was instantly shooting and delivering pictures on deadline. And on that very first night, photographing Bo Diddley, I photographed the first of his two performances that night. I shot uh, three or four rolls of film. I was there for perhaps 20, 25 minutes, just bopping all over the place, front row center, up on stage, you know, backstage, looking out towards the audience. And I rushed off to a nearby darkroom where I was working part-time. It was a commercial darkroom. I had after-hour access, processed those three or four rolls of film, and chose the one best picture from the evening, and quickly made a pair of 11 by 14 prints, black and white prints, in the wet dark room and mounted them on 16 by 20 inch map boards and then raced back the three blocks over to the Great Southern and greeted Bo Diddley as he was leaving the stage, you know, with these mounted prints and a Sharpie or marker, you know, to ask for his autograph. Uh, the first print was for you and the second one was for me, but I remember Bo was like, dude, you just shot these pictures? That's so badass. Yeah. <laughs> and he ordered, he, he placed an order for some, uh, some prints that night, but, uh, but it was just so thrilling. It was so exciting to be making pictures that felt consequential somehow. And, and again, that point about, you know, to be young in Gainesville or anywhere, really, in America. I mean, the, the, music, the music of that era just seemed to me, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, it just felt like it was the, like at the tip of this cultural spear, this, this, this energetic uh, wave that was just carrying us to a better tomorrow. I mean, the music just seemed like such an expression and affirmation of 
this positive energy. It just felt truly like music was a type of cultural medicine that was, you know, was healing in the wake of, of the upheaval of the 60s. And I was just delighted to be a part of that story you know, with my camera. John, why do you think there was so much uh, music uh, all over Gainesville at that time? Well, there certainly was a market for it, you know, with you know, how many thousands of students there were. And, you know, interestingly, in an age long before the Internet, of course, I mean, the music just permeated the culture. and Perhaps thus it has always been. I mean, I'm, you know, music certainly is a part of the Gainesville scene prior to our arrival and in the years since. But it just seemed like there was, like, peak energy around it. You know, we, we, we seem to have hit that sweet spot in terms of, of um, just the, the caliber of the national... T uh, music that was coming through Gainesville to UF and, and then with Albert and you booking these great shows at the Great Southern, whatever it was, there was a unique and powerful combination of circumstances that just converged in the 70s in this town around music. Well, I think there was, uh, you know, something in the water. <laughs> <laughs> there was in, a lot of things in the water, well, think about, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, think about it, in the 60s, so Stephen Stills comes out of yeah. uh, Gainesville, You've got Bernie Ledden, uh, who helps found the Eagles, and then later Don Felder. Mm -hmm. uh, Bo Diddley winds up uh, living in uh, the Gainesville area. And wasn't there that Rock and Roll uh, Hall of Fame photographer that you were his first attorney? Um, what was that oh, guy's name? Oh, Tom Petty. <laughs> oh, that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Tom Petty's here, and uh, I had met him before I got my uh, law license in, in uh, Florida. Mm. And... Uh, I met him in 1970, and we did some things together mm -hmm. uh, later on when I became an attorney at the end of 71. Uh, we started representing Tom and uh, the band Mudcrutch, yeah. and th they're all in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, yeah, too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So that's nine members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame yeah. from one uh, fairly small college town. Yeah. Hey, here's a small aside before I forget. I, love, I never met Tom Petty, by the way. I got my camera. Uh, in March of 74, and he left, I think, what, on April 1st, 1974, to go west. And, um, yeah, but um, the point being that Tom played at the American Legion Hall, which is the site of the current Matheson Museum. So even though Tom did not perform at the Great Southern Music Hall, you were his attorney, and I've become friendly with his first wife, and he's... Yeah, he, he performed at, at the building that the, is the Matheson Museum and is a part of the exhibit, in fact. Bill DeYoung has interviewed uh, Petty on a number of occasions and writes about that in the sidebar portion of the exhibit that talks about you know, just the broader history of Gainesville's musical roots. So there is a Petty uh, component to the exhibit. Yeah, and well, not only Tom Petty played there, but Stephen Stills played there mm. and, you know, Bernie Ledden and uh, uh, Felder. and I mean, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Th this was... The cool place to play, um, and I, you know what, whatever it was, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, hey, I want to drop some names too. I remember as a freshman, um, I photo. Well, I just as a UF freshman, I remember at Florida Gym, which was the big venue before the uh, the, the O'Connell Center was built. I remember uh, seeing the Doobie Brothers and David Crosby and Graham Nash and Elton John. And yes, and John Mayall's Bluesbreakers, and James Taylor, and just the list was just, yeah, it was amazing. So Gainesville had the yeah. University of Florida bringing in entertainment. The Great Southern was bringing in entertainment. Mm. And there was at least uh, eight or nine bars in town bringing in entertainment. Yeah. Uh, actually, there were places like Dubs 
that were uh, very important in the development of Tom Petty and Mud Crutch because Dub allowed them to play six nights a week, probably four sets mm. a night. Uh, and that's really important when you're a young band trying to get. This better. reminds me of the story of how the Beatles honed their chops working in the uh, in the, the strip joints in Hamburg. You know, where it's the Star Club, the Star Club, yes, yes, where it was. I was there during 1967, uh-huh. and the Beatles were you know all over the front of the club, and I got to see the Hollies there wow. uh, live, oh, and, very and, cool. and it was you know yeah. one of those magical moments. Getting back to um, you and uh-huh. the Great Southern Music Hall um, and how it, uh, what, what it occurred, what was it like as a 19-year-old oh, uh, University of Florida uh, student getting the gig to be the house photographer and being a huge you know, rock and roll fan? What, yeah. what, what was it like for you? It was... It's... This is deeply personal. It's hard to put in words because it just... I was so high on Gainesville. I mean, this was my city on the hill when I arrived. And getting that gig with the Great Southern cemented the deal for me that I was... My greatest professional aspiration in Gainesville was... I knew at some point they'd hand me a diploma and I'd get on with the rest of my life. But please, dear God, let me find a way where I can stay in this town forever. And I felt that. And, you know, I'm still here and I'm still grateful. By the way, before I forget, it's like we're focusing so much on the past in music. I just want to give a shout out to, I mean, there's a lot of great music that's still happening in this town. And you have been involved in sponsoring some wonderful events. And I went to a wonderful concert last week at at the Hartwood Soundstage. And I was just reminded again that I need to get out more because there's still a lot of great music that's coming to this town. So the Hartwood, by the way, this weekend is having a big festival, Mm -hmm. Friday, Saturday, and I think Sunday. Um, at the Hartwood uh, Soundstage. For those of you that <clears throat> haven't gone there yet, do it. Uh, it it's, I mean, it's they have a recording. Yeah. They have a room that's a recording studio that's par excellence, and they put an, about 100, 125 seats in there so that it's like you're actually in a recording you studio. Are a recording, right? yeah. And having the best acoustics possible in a small mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. where you are, you know, never more than a few feet from the performer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's amazing. And simultaneously, the inside performance is being shown on a big screen on the outdoor stage. Or, and of course, or they have a room for a couple thousand. People. Yes, and and so it's just it's a really fascinating hybrid blend of energy there, and they, yeah, that place has taken off. Uh, uh, Dave Malosh and Hoach and the gang are doing a great job down there at the South Main Station, across from Depot Park, at South Main and Depot Avenue, and it's just become a real cultural epicenter of uh, of Gainesville. Yeah, so. and uh, we we love it there. It's a, a very. Uh, you know, innovative group of people that are trying to not only create a place to listen to music uh, and see music, but they're uh, putting it in restaurants and places. So it's it's a, uh, a play. It, it's actually a place where you can go have a great time whenever they're doing a musical event. And I was so uh, surprised at the quality of the entertainment and the storytellers at the Tom Petty Festival last fall. Yeah. Hey, let's drop some names, Jeffrey. What are some of the, uh, I'm just looking at a list. You've got a list of the printout of the, uh, some yeah, of the acts so, that were there so, at the Great yeah, Zone. So why don't you go and see if you can find some. Okay. Now, now what do we have? 21 
uh, or 22 or 23? I, I sh yeah, I shot a couple dozen shows there at the Great Southern plus others, you know, at UF that are in the exhibit. But uh, now, so the exhibit, okay, right. is all over the walls uh, of the. Uh, yeah, of good the point. Museum. This, this is a, not. It's not a collection of framed photos. Set up. Explain yeah. to them the evolution of how this happened. Yeah. So. Um, oh yeah. So. Um, um, Jeffrey and I part of company professionally, so to speak, after a couple of years. But of course, you know, we bumped into each other over the years. And well, you actually left us to go get a job at the Alligator. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I got a girlfriend. And, yeah, life got busy. But uh, but yeah. Um, and so uh, so we reconnected some years ago when I was doing sidewalk art festivals in Gainesville, peddling my nature photography and. We had a series of friendly conversations in which you gently harassed me, lovingly harassed me. Even John, when are, when are we going to unlock those archives? Wait, 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 wait! You dropped the bomb on me. <laughs> besides the four or five uh, photographs that oh, I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, Jeffrey, yeah. you know, I have some negatives somewhere in yeah, my box. Fair enough. And yes, there were a lot of yeah. I didn't deliver all the the, the photos that I had photographed at the time, and so. When I finally went back to unearth the archive, by the way, I, I kept every roll of black and white film I ever shot as a student. We're talking, I, I estimated like a thousand rolls of film a year over four years. I, I had 4,000 rolls of film. And as it turns out, they were all in sleeves. They were uh, largely unmarked. And so it was quite a research job just to dive in and see what I had. But uh, it just was pretty astonishing. And so, um, Jeffrey, you purchased a set of framed photographs of the performance photos. And that's a, a fine and handsome archival set of wall quality, gallery quality framed artwork. And we figured, well, there's got to be an exhibit there. But we uh, commissioned, you commissioned, Rick Kilby, the great designer, whom I had worked with previously on a couple of projects, including the Springs Eternal uh, Project exhibit with uh, Rick Kilby and Leslie Gamble that debuted at the Natural History Museum here in Gainesville 10 years ago. And Rick is from Gainesville, lives in Orlando, world-class designer. He had, he had a vision for what we could do with this. And when you walk into the big room at the Matheson, it's not a series of framed art photos on the wall. It is an astonishingly immersive display that just pulls you right in with floor-to-ceiling and wall-to-wall -wall photos and graphics blended together. And you know, with great writing by the incomparable Bill DeYoung, it, it just it sucks you in. It, it's a world-class small museum exhibit right here in our town yeah and so, uh, so there's explain explain to them how it's like wallpaper yeah so there's a, a, a commercial uh, print lab in orlando that has a giant 10 foot wide printer so it's it, it is like wallpaper it's seamless graphics and there's yeah it's floor to ceiling wall to wall and it's all like one continuous piece with a professional crew that came in um, it's really quite astonishing so you Did walk you in and there, there's bo diddley like you know, eight feet plus tall, you know, it's just like, it's just, you know, he's bigger than you looming over the room. And it's just amazing. And I'm just looking at the list here, just some of the other, well, there's, yeah. And part of it too, that was so great was just the mix of music, you know, with, with, you know, rock and blues and country and jazz and fusion. And just, it was, you were all over the place. Well, yeah. It, so, it, so here are some of the shows that I photographed. There's Bo Diddley and Jerry Lee Lewis and LaBelle and Jimmy Buffett and Richie Havens and, uh, Muddy Waters and uh, Melissa Manchester and Waylon Jennings and Minnie Ripperton and Eric Burden of Eric Burden and the Animals and oh look there's Souther Hillman and Fury you know Chris Hillman was in the Birds and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and 
I mean, it was it was just it was ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's just the list went on and on. It's just like you were crushing it, man. It was amazing. Well, what was kind of interesting is that um, I I started booking the acts in the beginning, and I I think I was a, a I, I knew a lot about uh, blues music, right? So uh, I knew who uh, Muddy Waters was and uh, Bo Diddley and uh, uh, certainly uh, Howlin' Wolf. These are people that I had known. Uh, well, given your own your own family's, your father's, you know, background too with you know clubbing and Cleveland. Oh yeah, yeah. So there were there were acts. My father, who was in the um, home building industry for forty years prior to that. He had the largest jazz nightclub between New York and Chicago, mm. located in Cleveland, Ohio, where we grew up. And uh, it was a, a big room, probably 400 seats. Mm. And uh, they brought in the finest jazz uh, artists of the time. Uh, no, nobody uh, in jazz was uh, too uh, too big to play the room. I mean, and didn't your dad you know, book Dave Brubeck, and you also brought Brubeck back to the Great Southern? Years later? Yeah. So, not to steal your punchline, but I love that story. No, yeah. no. So Dave Brubeck um, started touring. This is in 1974. He's touring with his sons, uh, Darius and Derek. I think two generations uh, of Brubeck was it? two generations of Brubeck, mm -hmm. and um, we, as I would frequently do. One of the perks of being, uh, you know, one of the uh, empresarios there at the mm. Great Southern is I got to have dinner with a lot of really neat uh, musical artists. So I invited Dave and his sons to go across the street to a great restaurant called the Primrose Inn. I love the and, Primrose, uh, yeah, yeah. So we're sitting there having uh, dinner together, mm. and, uh, you know, I told him my dad was Harry Melvin, and he had... He had played at my dad's club at least three times, wow. so they knew each other well because they played for a week at a time. That they play, yeah. I think either Monday through Saturday or Tuesday through Saturday. So it wasn't like a get in and get out. It was right. a whole uh, whole week gig. And uh, I, I was talking to Dave, and I just told him how much I loved his music. For those of you who don't know who Dave Brubick uh, uh, was. He was the most famous jazz artist uh, of the time as far as selling records. Um, he had a, 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 a 33 release uh, with a, a song called Time Out on it. Mm -hmm. And that song uh, became um, famous all over the world, not just in uh, uh, the United States. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, very interesting because he would he would be basically playing two jazz lines at the same time on the piano, and uh, Dave Brubeck was uh, I mean he he and Leonard Bernstein and you know they I mean they were in the same category as far as understanding music and jazz and things like that. Uh, Leonard Bernstein, of course, did West Side Story, mm -hmm. and if you listen to Brubeck's music and what Bernstein was doing back then, there was a lot of uh, similarity. Anyhow. Uh, I'm sitting there having dinner with Dave Brubeck and his sons, and I said, Dave, isn't this cool? I said, uh, you know, you, you played for my dad, and now you're coming and playing uh, at the Great Southern with your kids. I said, this is two generations of Meldons booking two generations yeah. of Brubeck. And he loved yeah. that. He thought that was just uh, really rich. Another person that my dad had uh, booked in 
uh, was Count Basie. Mm -hmm. And many of you uh, may not have heard of Count Basie, but during the 30s, 40s, and 50s, uh, he was huge. I mean, there was Duke Ellington, Count Basie, uh, Tommy James, uh, Glenn Miller, but I mean, he was right there at the top. And in 1974, he was still touring and brought... Do you know the other day... I saw. I'm, I was listening to the radio. I think I heard on the Wombat that the Count Basie Orchestra is still out there performing. Like, yeah, yeah. I was listening to the Wombat. Yeah. Those of you that haven't heard of the Wombat, I, w- I got to know. I wanted to give a shout out. You totally. What is, yeah. is it? Ninety point one. It's ninety point one FM, or you can stream it anywhere in the world. Of course, WMBT nine zero one dot com, and it has just rocked my world. Last summer, when I was putting together this exhibit, working with Rick Kilby, I was dealing with some personal tragedy. And I'm a lifelong news junkie, you know, NPR. And I just found it, I just, it was, yeah. If they, if the Wombat, if ever asked me to do a blurb, you know, when the news of the world is bringing me down, I reach for the Wombat. Yeah. And no, it's just an astonishing array of eclectic music. You can hear anything or everything from Frank Sinatra to Frank Zappa in the same set, but they just make it work. It's a crazy mashup of music. I love the Wombat. Yeah, John and I, we did an interview um, with uh, uh, Michael the, Michael Clater, yeah, yeah, yeah. founder and director of it, and uh, Wayne Irwin is the uh, I gather the founder and director, but his buddy Wayne, uh, I'm sorry, Michael Clater is on staff oh. with Arts and Medicine at Shands, and he uh, curates a weekly program called Shift Change, that is uh, targeted towards the medical community in Gainesville, and they get a lot of call and requests from you know medical professionals on doing shift change. But uh, Michael's a friend of my neighbor's, it turns out, and he did, had a wonderful interview with us that aired last week. Yeah, and Wombat. So we're here to tell you, go check out Wombat, 90.1 FM. and it's uh, Low-power FM in Gainesville, but you can stream it. You know, Just do a search. Anywhere. And you can find it, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy excellent. So. so anyhow, but they, I mean, <clears throat> Saturday morning, I think it's jazz. Yeah. Sunday in the morning, they have gospel on, and they have other kinds of things on and uh, you know you can hear you can hear all kinds of different mm. music but their normal format is eclectic totally yeah and it's yeah. like oh and what? somehow it works really well yeah to my ear yeah and, and it's like the music of our lives really i mean yeah. so let's see were there um any stories that you can think attached to any of these uh, artists uh, oh jeffrey you know this is why i take pictures <coughs> You know, I'm a guy who used to have a memory. Now I have mm. pictures, right? It's just like, yeah, it was the 70s. What's the saying that if you can remember the 70s, maybe you weren't really there? But, um, yeah, no, I was just so so focused visually on just getting in and getting the pictures. Honestly, I don't have any, you know, interesting or charming or amusing anecdotes well, about wait, personal wait, connections. Wait, wait, wait. Slow down. Tell me this story about how you... Uh, photographed Chick Corea and Returned to Forever, and you were up in the rafters oh, and you were yeah. going everywhere. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not even like a specific story, but I just, there was something about having a Nikon in my hand when I was 19 years old. I just had this sense that I was shooting for the historical record, and I felt like it, it, it's almost like this shtick. It's like, excuse me, out of the way, a photographer is here and I'm doing important work, you know? And so I just was completely fearless and unabashed about just getting where I needed to be with my camera in order to make storytelling high-impact photographs that would be shared with a wider audience and realize that it was okay for me to do that because I wasn't just blocking, getting, you know, cutting in front of somebody. It's like, excuse me, but I'm working here. Can't you see? And 
I was I just had a sense early on that I was creating pictures that were going to be part of a long-term record and of course that led to a career in journalism and uh, and uh, you know after 23 years at the Gainesville Center when I finally retired I I had this deep sense of humility and realization that in a sense I had been the visual historian for Gainesville and I had very likely seen more of the panorama of life of nine counties in north central Florida than any person alive, just as, just as, you know, an accidental happenstance of the nature of the job description itself, and and I loved that job. It, it just, you know, I was just again high in Gainesville, and my agenda was to go forth in the community and to create storytelling photographs and bring them back, to share them with the community through the pages of the Gainesville Sun, that reflected back on the community to give people a sense of what I felt. And what I felt was this deep sense of, aren't we all just lucky to be part of this community? Warts and all, and we all had to know that you know, every community has its issues, but where else would you rather be than in Gainesville? That was my thing. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So um, you, when you were working for the Gainesville Sun for, what did you say, 20, 20, 23 years? 23 yeah. years. Were you covering everything? Uh, yeah, everything. I went with Steve Spurrier and the team out to New Orleans to photograph them winning their first national championship. I was making pictures of, you know, on death row at Florida State Prison. I was photographing, you know, tent revivals. Uh, you know, I was, I was everywhere with my cameras. Now, were you writing uh, the, anything in addition to the? Uh, um, yeah, I was. Uh, I had a number of byline stories, and I had a, a monthly column, Eye on Nature. That, you know, my personal musings as a nature photographer while I was still on staff for the Sun, but um, but yeah, it was you know I was a, a trained journalist. I was doing my thing, and you know having a camera was you know was my tool, but I was a writer as well. And yeah, and yeah, yeah I, I want to plug your book for just a minute. You know, the Visual Diary. Oh, Journal of Light. Yeah, uh, the Journal of Light. Yeah. Okay, uh, I I was gifted. Uh, uh, the book by John, and I'm very appreciative. Thank you. And I read it, and his writing is terrific. Uh, the Journal of Light, the Visual Diary of a Florida Nature Photographer. I would encourage everybody to um, uh, go online and pick up a copy of it because it's really um, a fascinating book. And uh, John is being honored by the College of Journalism for his extraordinary career. And I think this book here is probably something that really gives a, mm. uh, a strong overview of what you've been doing. Yeah, thank you for that, Jeffrey. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a beautiful ride. It really has, yeah. So, and what's interesting is mm. that John, John, you came here in 73, I came here in 70. So for a great, uh, for, for a great uh, deal of our lives, our our time has overlapped in many ways because mm -hmm. we've lived in Gainesville and experienced what Gainesville is like at the same time. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, now, uh, as I, I don't know if we're senior citizens yet. I think we're aspiring to become senior citizens, but we're not quite there yet. It's kind of weird being around all these people our age who are old. You know, it's like, <laughs> what's that about? What's that about? No, we're just getting started. We're like kids in a candy store. And really, it's true. I think um, what I want to tell everybody is that this exhibit, I, I'm from Cleveland. I've been to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, at least five or six times. 
and I've seen top-notch professional work mm. in, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The work that Rick Kilby, uh, Bill DeYoung did with the photography of John Moran and everything else that we put together is really world-class. I mean, this exhibit is not some pictures hung up on the wall like we yeah. thought maybe in the uh, beginning. Jeff, was, Jeffrey, I like to think of the Return to Forever exhibit as, as a love letter to Gainesville from the 1970s, and thank you for bankrolling it. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a yeah it's a beautiful, beautiful project. But did and, you have any idea that it was going to turn out the way it did when we started? Um, no. I did not, but I will say that uh, it was a bit of a trust fall, and given the history that I'd had of working both with Rick Kilby and Bill DeYoung, and um, I just knew that this was going to be special, and yeah, it, it uh, exceeded my expectations. It was great. So yeah, the so exhibit's up for the rest of the year, by the way, and the event that's happening at the Matheson on Friday, I've just found out, it's a ticketed event. The tickets are free. It's sold out. At this point, there's a wait list online. But again, the exhibit will be up for the year. But for the people who are coming on Friday, uh, in addition to the panel discussion that we're having, a piece of this that I'm especially looking forward to is the open night, open mic facet of the program, where we know there are going to be people there who will share their stories. And in fact, at the opening event back in uh, October, I love the story of uh, uh, one of your former employees, one of the bartenders there, who told the story. And he was there with his wife that when he first met his wife, it was when he was working one night and three uh, fine looking young ladies walked in and he leapt over the bar to greet them and to seat them. And a spark was set and 40 some years they've been married now and they wanted to come and to see the exhibit and to tell their story in the, the memory book that we have there. Tell us your story. And I was just so taken with that. Um, there's something about the power of music at that time in our lives that serves as this kind of a, a it's, it's beyond a cultural glue. It's, it's this emotional component. And it really underscores the point that our friend Michael Clater was making uh, during that interview on the Wombat, how music really is medicine. And we can think of it in terms of being entertainment, but it's, it's entertainment that really is, this is not a trivial thing. You know, it, it just gives such deep, it's, it's art. It matters, and it matters deeply. And, yeah, I, and, I'll, I'll tell you, um, you know, for me, <clears throat> wherever I go, um, I really enjoy having music, and I, I, I listen to classical opera, mm. and I listen to rock and roll, uh, you know, R&B, blues, it doesn't matter for me. It's, you know, everything is uh, magical, mm -hmm. you know, and that when you listen to some of the greatest um, performers, uh, they're, they're there at the top for a reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And, and if you, so John was reading over the list. I mean, uh, there were artists that, that we had that, um, you know, Bob Seger, Steppenwolf, uh, Bonnie Raitt, um, John Prine, who uh, passed recently. Yeah. I mean, amazing. Randy Newman, uh, Johnny Winter, Gamble Rogers, who was a Florida treasure, mm -hmm. um, the, uh, Cheech and Chong, um, Steve Martin, yeah. uh, Count Basie, we mentioned before, Roger McGuinn, uh, you know, Jimmy Cliff. We, we showed uh, a Jimmy Cliff movie the harder they fall mm -hmm. uh, at the Great Southern. Not only were we bringing in live performers, but we actually had a, 
a screen from the Florida theater that they left us, and we started showing uh, movies there. Uh, we had wrestling matches there, boxing matches. Uh, we were the first um, theater that brought in um, the um, the thriller in Manila. I think it was. And anyhow, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier, and it was the biggest thing in the Southern Bell, which was the telephone company, was right next door to the Great Southern Music Hall, and we literally ran a line from, this is in 1974 or 5, we ran this line this, uh, from the telephone company over to the Great Southern and did a closed circuit uh, Presentation. That was a very, very big deal. deal. Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah. Now that was a big deal. I mean, uh, uh, we we had, uh, you know, the girls were were dressed up like they were at the Copacabana. And they had, <laughs> you know, back then you could smoke cigarettes in a yeah. uh, theater, so they they had cigar trays, and they were. It, it was pretty cool. Anyhow, we could go on forever and ever. However, I really want to emphasize mm. that everybody needs to go to the Matheson Museum, 513 East University Avenue, Gainesville, Florida, and check out this incredible display of photography featuring mm. uh, John Moran's uh, photographs taken at the uh, Great Southern Music Hall. Uh, it's going to be on for uh, at least another six or seven months. If you can make mm. it uh, Friday at 7, great. Uh, if not, uh, please come and uh, spend a little time there. Yeah. You'll, you'll enjoy. And the Matheson hours are Wednesday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. So. Correct. And there, it's great. Uh, and uh, uh, Caitlin, uh, the director there, is terrific. And uh, it's a very warm atmosphere. So uh, come and join us. Mm-hmm. John Moran, uh, any parting words? Oh, I love this town. I love that time in my life, and I'm grateful that uh, it shall live forever in a very real sense of the word. So thank you, my friend. Well, thank you very much for being my partner in this venture. Mm. And uh, this is going to end Melden Law and Friends uh, for this episode. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll be back next Tuesday at 4 p.m.